Welcome to the Wish Well Podcast, a women's integrative summit on health and wellness. A podcast hosted by Dr. Michelle Dang, a board-certified anesthesiologist and pain management physician with additional fellowship training in integrative medicine. This podcast will feature weekly episodes with women from all walks of life discussing their health and wellness journeys. everyone. Welcome to today's episode. This is Dr. Michelle Dang with the Wish Well podcast, the Women's Integrative Summit on Health and Wellness. I am excited to bring to you episode number 53 of season two, Education and Empowerment with Dr. Kara Wada. Super excited to share this episode with you today. I wanted to say a quick little thank you to everyone who has been listening. I hope that you are enjoying the shift with this season to discuss specific topics related to health and wellness. I know myself, I've really enjoyed recording these episodes and I really look forward to putting these out for you every week. And if you do like these episodes or if you would like for me to discuss more specific topics or different topics, then definitely send me a message. I am available on social media. You can reach out to me on Instagram at MichelleDingMD. Also, the podcast Instagram is wishwell.health. And I always enjoy getting messages from you. So I want to tell you a little bit about this week's guest, Dr. Kara Wada. She is an assistant clinical professor and associate fellowship program director of allergy and immunology at the Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio. She graduated from the University of Illinois College of Medicine and completed her internal medicine and pediatrics residency and allergy and immunology fellowship at the Ohio State University and Nationwide Children's Hospital. After having completed additional fellowship training in medical education, she's passionate about building meaningful connection and therapeutic relationships with her patients and inspiring future physicians to do the same. She seeks to empower her patients and clients with a naturally minded and scientifically grounded approach to care. She speaks nationally on topics including medical education, allergic and immunologic conditions. Outside of her work, she is an autoimmune patient, a food allergy mom of two spunky daughters, and wife to another Dr. Wada. I actually reached out and connected to her on social media, and as always, I always enjoy connecting with other professionals on all the social media platforms. You can find out more information about Dr. Wada at crunchyallergist.com and you can also follow her on Instagram and Facebook at crunchyallergist. Definitely reach out to her. Like I said, I really enjoyed recording this episode and I look forward to connecting with you all again soon. As always, if you like what you're listening to, please remember to leave me a rating and review on Apple iTunes and subscribe wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. Take care.
Hi, everyone. It's Dr. Michelle Dang with the Wishwell Podcast. I'm here today with Dr. Kara Wada. A little bit about Dr. Wada. She is an assistant clinical professor and associate fellowship program director of allergy and immunology at the Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio. I'm super excited to have her here to share a little bit about her journey, but also a little bit of information with you all on some autoimmune diseases and um, any little tidbits of information she can give to you all. And her topic, for discussion today is actually education and empowerment. So welcome, Kara. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you for asking. All right. So tell me, tell us all a little bit about your personal journey real quick, just how you got into allergy immunology and where you are today. Yeah. So I, um, I never would have figured that I would end up in allergy immunology. As a third year medical student, I arranged my schedule completely around the idea that I thought I would be an obstetrician gynecologist. Oh my gosh. Same and <laughs> I ended up deciding to do med peds, which is just about the exact opposite of OBGYN. Um, and, but what I realized by, you know, kind of the end of med peds was that I really enjoyed taking care of patients across the lifespan. So I wanted to still be able to see kids and adults. I wanted something that had some continuity and I was really fascinated by the immune system. And so everything ended up coming together. Um, and um, that's kind of where I am. <laughs> Excellent. So you mentioned um, in some of the stuff that I saw when you sent, sent it over to me that you yourself experienced some autoimmune issues. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. So about 18 months ago, I had a dental checkup and my dental hygienist mentioned that my mouth looked dry. And I said, hmm, yeah, I probably should get that checked out because I've had some labs that have looked a little bit off for some time. And I, I also realized in hindsight that this nagging back stiffness that I have had for years always got better when I was pregnant. So I've had, I have two girls um, that are five and two, and I, I kind of knew just from my immunology background that that, that was different and that was normal. Normally people have worse back pain when they're, when they're pregnant. Um, and so that finally kind of pushed me and, and having someone else say something pushed me to advocate for myself um, with my primary care doc to actually have some labs drawn. And in that experience, you know, she, she tried to reassure me, oh, you know, you're fine, there's nothing wrong. And then the labs ended up not being normal um, and then had a very similar experience with my, my good friend and, you know, turned rheumatologist, oh, you know, this will be nothing, trying to reassure me. Um, and then, you know, the whole panel came back and, and things were not normal. Um, and so that, that kind of put me into this, this new role as patient um, and learning to navigate the system, um, realizing that I was navigating the system with immense privilege um, as an educated woman, as a um, white woman, as someone with money, someone with medical expertise and friends, you know, in the business, um, and still seeing that it was really hard to navigate that system and to learn to, to cope with um, a long-term kind of chronic illness. So um, 
I'm going back to the words that you pecked, which, which was education and empowerment. Yeah. Was your experience experience as a patient, was that what empowered you to kind of um, change the way that you practice? Absolutely. I think I, I think I hear now many times, and maybe I've learned to listen for it, um, just patients feeling like they haven't been listened to. And they'll kind of, I hear kind of time and time again, like, I don't feel like anyone's ever listened to my whole story or listened to my symptoms. And, and I think a lot of this is a product of the medical system that we most vast majority of us work within, which are, you know, these very short appointment, appointment times trying to pack our schedules full. Um, and, and treating both physicians and patients as, um, as kind of cogs in the wheel, you know, cogs in the system. And, and really, it just has taken so much away from building that therapeutic trust and that that relationship. Um, so I think it's empowered me to want to work to empower patients um, to really advocate for finding a care team that does listen to them, that they feel like they can build kind of that therapeutic trust. Um, and we were talking kind of a little bit before, but I also see many of these same patients because they feel unlistened to turning to kind of these quick fixes or miracle, you know, the Facebook messaging of miracle cures and, and, and I've, I've bought some of those products too, you know, when I was early in my journey. Um, and well, marketing is so yeah. it's so prevalent these days. I mean, you can scroll through on Facebook and have like a million ads and they advertise so well. And Absolutely. of course, I think when people are in that mindset where they have chronic issues, they are looking for a quick fix. And um, if it looks good and it's affordable, why not? Why not try it? Right. Yeah. It has good Amazon reviews, right? Yeah. One half yeah, of those are and- probably fake. <laughs> Yeah. And so I bought, I bought some of those supplements, you know, I, I was drinking my green smoothie. Like I felt like I had control, like that gave me control again over my health and my illness. I, I thought, well, if I do everything perfectly, then I will be in, you know, I'll be invincible again. I thought my degree may be invincible and that wasn't the case. And then, you know, I, you know, figured, okay, if I, if I eat healthy and do the right things, well, come to find out later that summer. So it was diagnosed in May later that summer. I, um, after doing a few months, these green smoothies and things with my little supplements, I ended up having a pretty significant acute hepatitis. And when they ended up doing the pathology, it, it said cannot exclude, you know, drug effect and, um, or supplement effect. And we knew none of the prescribed medications I was on was associated with liver injury. Um, so, you know, that at least left some question as to, you know, did I, did I potentially cause harm with something that wasn't, you know, um, wasn't regulated. And that's important to note because there's so much out there that isn't regulated and, um, and for any lay person, um, you know, without, um, 
for any, sorry, <laughs> my brain is just fogged up with any lay person. They may not be aware. They think, oh, you can just buy it on Amazon. You can buy it anywhere. So it's probably mm -hmm. safe and it's got good reviews and, you know, X, Y, and Z person uses it and they're fine. So I'm probably fine without being aware that it may interact with some of the medications that they're actually on. Um, and it may cause significant side effects that they're just not aware. And they have the, um, they think that it's safe just because it's easily accessible. Yeah. And in this case, it was something that was marketed under, you know, the auspices of being a superfood, you know, and so you think, oh, it's food based, it must be safe. And, and I think that's a trap that I kind of fell into. Um, but in this situation, it, it very, it may not have been. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so from that experience, how, how do you approach a patient who um, may be newly diagnosed, who may need that extra time? What do you tell those patients? So I feel like, um, again, I, I really, I feel like I am in, a, in a, a very privileged situation that I'm at a big institution. And thankfully, no one has come knocking on the doors telling me I can't have an hour long initial visit for kind of my, my new immunology patients. Um, I suspect that will happen at some point. Um, but at least for right now, I take full advantage of that time. And I try kind of during that initial visit, just to let them tell their story and not to interrupt. Um, and the other thing I think I've found really helpful and beneficial is to say, you know, I may not be able to scientifically explain what you're experiencing, but your experience is your experience. Who am I to tell you that, you know, the pain you're feeling or, you know, discomfort or symptoms, the brain fog, what have you, that who am I to argue with what you personally perceive or experience, even if I can't explain it completely um, and at least start to build some of that therapeutic trust. And then if we need to eventually talk about maybe the mind, gut, you know, um, immune system kind of overlap um, to gradually bring in kind of that, I think it's, it's really hard when you deal with a patient who's had um, experiences that if you kind of follow social media will be called kind of medical gaslighting or, um, or medical trauma, that if you don't have that trust already established and you then recommend that they go see a mental health professional, you've, you've kind of burned that bridge and you've kind of added, and it seems from what I hear from patients that that just adds to the trauma. So tell us a little bit about medical gaslighting or medical trauma for those of us who don't really know what that is. Yeah. So it's a term that I've found in particular more, um, as I've been going through Instagram and, you know, some social media, um, platforms from that patient perspective. Um, and it's a term that, um, a lot of patients in the chronic illness community will use to describe their experiences of feeling like a medical professional has told them that their symptoms are in their head or tried to make them think they weren't experiencing what they've been experiencing. Um, I think, and, and I've had so my husband is also a physician. And so we've had like this big conversation about, about the terminology and, and he, he took, and I hope he's okay with me sharing this, but 
he took some offense from the term and, and I can see why, because I think this term gaslighting implies that there's conscious or kind of um, explicit, you know, intent um, in the actions. Um, and, and I suspect for, for many of us, and, and I know I'm not immune, I'm sure that I've done this at, at some point in my career for sure, um, but that, you know, sometimes we do it in our own ways of trying to reassure the patient or say, you know, you know, maybe you are just, you know, really stressed out, you know, hoping, in some cases, hoping that it isn't something more serious. Yeah. And I think as a physician myself, it's sometimes hard because you're so rushed at times Mm -hmm. to see patients within a certain amount of time. And then for patients who may have a little bit of a more complicated history, um, you just don't have that time. And it's easy. It's easier for us to kind of just rate that it's non-organic or psychosomatic causes of whatever issue that they're having. And so I think um, in some ways it is, you know, medical gaslighting. For um, those listeners who may be in the healthcare field, what sorts of what sorts of advice would you give to them who, you know, we're all kind of struggling with, with um, you know, insurance and limits and things like that? Yeah, I think um, I'm still learning. And so um, that is, that's kind of my disclaimer, but I think doing kind of those little things to let the patient know that you are listening and you hear them, I think goes a long way. I think being okay and open to saying, I don't know. I hear that a lot that, that, that patients get frustrated if they have physicians who are unwilling to say, I don't know what's going on. Um, And I think really kind of what's made the pandemic so challenging is that now, you know, not only were our hands tied from, you know, these system issues of like the shorter appointment times and everything, but now if I'm in clinic seeing a patient, I don't have all of my facial expression to, you know, to be able to, you know, show that I'm listening, show that I have that concern and, you know, or on the contrary, if I'm doing a telemed visit, I may kind of have the facial expressions, but my eyes are kind of askew because of where the camera is. Right. And so, um, so those are some things that I'm still, still learning and struggling and, and with the best of us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're all kind of in the same boat and hopefully things will start to improve in the next couple of months. And so I kind of want to go back to this being a women's health and wellness podcast. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit, do you see more women in your clinic and um, what types of um, issues do you have that are more, you know, prevalent in women? Yeah, I think overwhelmingly. So my, my practice is probably about 60% allergy and about 40% probably immunology. Um, And Increasingly, I see, you know, many more women patients who are coming in concerned about um, kind of these auto, I call them autoimmune-like symptoms, but maybe their labs have been normal and they've kind of played this game of hot potato from specialist to specialist, trying to figure out the name of what's going on, you know, and to explain their symptoms. a lot of times they'll come in with um, the chief complaint or kind of the, the reason for the visit is they think they may have food allergies, um, which usually goes into a conversation about 
food intolerances and sensitivities and microbiome. Um, but that tends to be where I see a lot of patients. And it tends to be a lot of women who are postpartum or like recently postpartum or around like the time of menopause, kind of these big shifts in our hormones that then are also related to potential big shifts or increase in development of autoimmune type conditions. So what do you tell a patient or a woman who comes in with all these issues? Um, what is something that you can, what, what is something that you can tell them that will really help them in terms of just feeling a little bit more reassured? Because I think you're right. A lot of times um, we as women want to be listened to. How many times have you had an argument with your spouse <laughs> where it's like, I just want you to just listen to me. I know nothing's going to change, but just to listen to me. I think so many people, so many women need that. Yeah, I think um, the the big thing I think um, that I, I tend to share over and over is that my encounter with them is a snapshot in time and their life is more like a movie. And autoimmunity can be a very, for in many instances, can be a slowly evolving process. Um, and we continue as, as a species, as humans, we continue to evolve. Our exposures are different, our diet's different um, than it was for our grandparents and, and you know further generations back. And so they're likely, I mean, there are medical conditions that have been discovered while we, you know, have been in our training, right? And in particular, in allergy, for instance, um, there's a few diagnoses like eosinophilic esophagitis and FPIs. Like these are newer entities that weren't around 30, 40 years ago to speak of. And so I think it's it's short-sighted to think that we know all the answers. And so I tell them that too. Yeah. And a lot of times I think many of us, women and men in general, um, want to have that diagnosis. So I think mm -hmm. it's frustrating whenever you go or a patient goes from one doctor to another without any clear diagnosis. And like I mentioned earlier, um, just non-organic or psychosomatic issues. And yeah. so I think a lot of times people need that specific diagnosis. So I think, like you said, the field of allergy and immunology is growing. There's so much more that we're learning about our bodies and microbiomes and so many new fields as well, like functional medicine, integrative medicine, mm -hmm. culinary medicine, so many different uh, fields of medicine that we, that are constantly growing and constantly getting new information. Absolutely. And, and I kind of, I try to couch it as, you know, a diagnosis is a label and yes, a label is nice to have. It does give us some idea of prognosis and treatment options, but if you are showing signs and symptoms that, you know, I call it immune dysregulation, your immune system, not reading the textbook, not following the rules, um, you may want to think about trying to look at, you know, those modifiable factors that we do have some evidence on. So trying to optimize your sleep. If you're not eating, you know, a lot of vegetables and plant-based foods, trying to, you know, trying to slowly increase those. Um, trying to cut down on some of the inflammatory fats in your diet, you know, kind of meeting the patient where he or she is and helping them kind of work towards more sustainable changes that we do know have some pretty good evidence behind them. 
Yeah, it's interesting you say that about sleep and food and that sort of thing, um, because although we're our topic today is allergy and immunology, my background is I'm chronic pain management. And that's something mm-hmm. that I tell my pain patients all the time too. In addition to that moving as well. And yeah. so, um, I think, you know, now more and more now we're kind of looking at the body as a whole instead of just mm-hmm. specific little diagnoses. So I think it's exciting. I think Absolutely. medicine in general is, especially here in America, we're making a shift. Um, so towards more like whole body wellness. So I think that's really and I think it's important, as you said, um, to have that education as well, not only as a physician or provider, but also as patients um, so that we can, we can make sure we're getting the best thing for our, ourselves and for our patients. Absolutely. So tell me a little think, bit. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was yeah. just going to say we are, we're, so, we're all so unique, like our immune system, our, our, our own life, our history um, and our microbiome. And so to think that there's a one size fits all, um, for every like lifestyle or budget or what have you, you know, is kind of short-sighted. So it's, it's nice to really focus on the idea of personalized medicine when you're kind of, you know, working with, with each individual. For sure. It is definitely very individualized. In fact, I think the other day I was going over a case that was two, two patients with similar labs, similar diagnoses, but completely different treatment plans because it has to be individualized. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's exactly like you said, it's not a one size fits all. So, so we are running a little bit out of time, but I want to be sure that you tell us a little bit about how to find you and all the things that you're doing. Um, I know I found you on social media, on Instagram. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing on social, on your social media platforms. Yeah. So I am, um, on Instagram, um, the crunchy allergist crunchy at crunchy allergist. And then, um, just kind of starting up my website, um, which is crunchyallergist.com. And so I am actually working towards, um, launching kind of a small group, um, cohort, um, of kind of health and wellness coaching for, um, those who are scientifically grounded, but naturally minded kind of going into the new year and working to working with those individuals with um, bringing in kind of curated content and experts um, in nutrition and sleep um, and trying to work on building a library um, to hopefully share more broadly moving forward. So a library for patients and lay people yeah, or specifically that, for medical professionals? Um, at this point, kind of making it, um, more of educational piece for kind of the patients. Um, but then also working on building some empowerment tools for them as, you know, for those, um, as well. Um, it's still a growing and evolving process, but I think, um, you know, as I think back to my journey, I really was looking for something to kind of, I I say like weed out the woo. Um, so kind of finding things that did have a little more evidence, a little, you know, making sure it was doing things that were a little safer, and things that were sustainable. Um, I'm kind of, at least personally, I think over kind of the the fad diet, celery juice cleanse kind of stuff at this point. And, um, and I hear that from my patients too. Well, I think um, I love doing the juice cleanses, but I just do it because it tastes good. But yeah. as far as the health benefits, I'm, you know, I, I'm not really sure all the benefits that they say that, you know, 
that it's for, but um, I just like the way it tastes. So I think, you know, you should do what tastes good in moderation. You know, um, there's no reason to do any types of fads or anything like that. So I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. I think it all comes down. I love that saying of you do you and like, you know, that, that falls into, you know, kind of following your rhythms. Like for me, I need external accountability. So I, I need to do lists. I need people checking in on me and that's how I stay accountable, but not everyone else, you know, everyone has kind of their own, their own way of kind of coming to, I say kind of that happy ending or, or where they want to see themselves. Excellent. Well, I love your, your goal and your purpose in terms of educating people in general about, um, you know, empowering themselves and their medical issues. So I think that what you're doing and good luck to you. And, um, Kara, thank you so much for taking your time out to record with me today. And, um, yeah, (laughs) any last words? No, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity and I wish you happy new year and good health. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wish Well podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe and follow along every week for new episodes. You can find us on Instagram at wishwell.health and at our website, wishwell.health.blog. Until next time, I wish you health and I wish you wellness. Thank you.